Welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. I'm Dr. Millicent Ravello, and I'm here with my most favorite co-host, Dr. Jay Calvert. Well, thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Of all my co-hosts, you're of, my most as, favorite. I know, like, best one you've had all day, right? All day! <laughs> this is my favorite co-host of all time. It's your only co-host, though, Dr. Ravello, but that's okay. That's you right. have to have a favorite. You have to have a favorite. That's why I tell my only son all the time, you are my favorite. That's right. Thank God I'm your favorite. What if I was like, and he's really not my favorite. <laughs> sorry, goes. sorry. I'm, We've but got a big. We've got a big podcast. We today. have a big podcast. <laughs> Do we ever a BAP? Uh, Hang on. So, so today we are talking about big body lift, body contouring surgeries, and the removal of lots of pounds, like big, big amounts of weight. So I don't really know what that official term is going to be for this podcast. I think Sean's probably going to come up with a nice fancy name for this. I think it's the everything lift. The everything lift. <laughs> Isn't that what one of your patients said? Little I need an everything lift. Came in and said, I need an everything lift. Uh, but really, it's it's not really so much an everything lift as it is removal of a lot of skin and fat at one time from one specific area. I guess it could be from multiple areas, but generally for body contouring, I usually do one big area at a time. And so this really comes into play usually in my massive weight loss patients um, who are coming in with lots of extra skin after having lost, you know, 100, 200 pounds, and now they need body lifts. And the surgeries can be pretty intense. And I always think it's very important to let patients know this up front because a lot of times they don't realize exactly how intense this is going to be for them. Hell yeah. I mean, it is a big, big operation from a physiologic change of your body, from fluid shifts mm-hmm. during and after surgery, from, from how you bleeding. respond, yeah, bleeding, yeah. from the the inflammatory response that you're going to have. I mean, these are these are not for the meek. It is not. And what I usually hear from patients as I try and like explain that this is a big surgery and it's a big deal and big incisions and and <laughs> I can't tell you how many times they say, "Oh yeah, but I did fine after my bariatric surgery." Oh, I had no problem. I'll be fine. I did. I had no problems after my bariatric surgery. Yeah, but they didn't cut a small person off of you. <laughs> Right. And, but in their minds, <laughs> and I big. get why they think it's a big deal, because obviously those are huge life-changing surgeries. And they work on the inside of the body, which people seem to think is more important when you're like internally rearranging things. Sure. But at the same time, the incisions that they make for laparoscopic bariatric surgery are very small. They're like so cute. They're tiny. You have about five of them over your abdomen. You stay in the hospital one day, and then you usually go home the next day. And, you know. No big whoop. No big deal. These surgeries are massively, you know, involved surgeries, big incisions, big removal, risks of lots of bleeding, fluid shifts. So these are much different surgeries. These are maximally invasive as opposed to minimally invasive (laughs) They totally are. You know, they have all these minimally invasive fellowships. I'm going to start a maximally invasive fellowship. You should because some of these cases you do, I mean, they blow me away. I mean, they... but. Just the most dramatic, awesome results. Right. And that's that's the deal. So you can get huge, dramatic results, but you have to know up front that it's going to be a big undertaking and a big recovery. And I think the other thing that I've noticed, sort of a trend, is that older and older patients are getting bariatric surgery. Totally. So I'm seeing patients that had their bariatric surgery when they were like 62 years old, 
you know, they take a year or two to lose some weight and they come to me now, they're 64, 65, and they have massive amounts of skin that need to be removed. So now not only are we talking about large physiologic problems, but now we're also talking about advanced age in combination with these fluid shifts and things like that. So it's it's not for the meek. Let's just put it that way. See the plastic surgery and age podcast, podcast yes. for sure, because we kind of went through those issues right. and it's really important. But with with these big operations, first of all, I think the most important thing for us as surgeons who operate on patients with these issues is we have to understand their physiology from their from their bariatric operation, the bariatric whatever it is. Surgery. And thankfully, in the era that we are now and for most practices, most people are going to bariatric centers, you know, that has a surgeon, a nutritionist, psychologist, people who are dialed into the entire spectrum of bariatric care. And so they are monitoring their labs, their vitamins, their levels every three to six months or so. So usually by the time they get to me, they're pretty well teed up. But back in the day, a long time ago, that wasn't the case. And if I have someone that had, you know, a bypass 20 years ago and hasn't been followed up in a while, I will go through and check the whole nutrition panel because a lot of times they're anemic, they're low in folic acid, they're low on B12. And if you don't catch that preoperatively, you could have a major bleeding problem afterwards. Wound breakdown, breakdown, bleeding bleeding, the whole spectrum. All kinds of issues. And unusual to have someone who's actually nutritionally deficient. I think back when they had way more aggressive forms of bypass, that was more of an issue. The duodenal duodenal switch switch comes to mind. But in general, unless someone is severely wasting away, the nutritional status is okay. Their protein levels are okay. For Tracy in Wisconsin, the duodenal switch is essentially hooking your stomach to your colon. (laughs) <laughs> basically it's yeah. so brutal yeah it just goes everything just goes straight it just goes straight you. through and you absorb anything and living with somebody with a duodenal switch is a whole nother topic that I mean, so not we don't do that plastic anymore. surgery podcast no, no, <laughs> but that that operation really made for some problems with wound healing because yes. the absorptive the issues that you got from that type of operation were extreme Right. Thankfully, we don't see too much of that now. Most patients come pretty teed up. Um, but Most still, people are having sleeves uh, and bypasses. Sleeves and bypasses, but they seem to do okay. You know, only once have I had a patient who actually required TPN because she just couldn't absorb anything. But everyone else usually comes in pretty well teed up. Lap bend is gone. No, we don't do that anymore. Gone. It doesn't, didn't work. Didn't work. It didn't work. So it's sleeves and it's bypasses. So once you sort of have them come in, you kind of do a once-over, check their labs, they've had some recently, make sure they're nutritionally optimized, then you have to get into the nitty-gritty of what actually is going to happen in the surgery and what they can expect. So the surgery itself can be long, you know, it can, depending on how much we're removing and from what areas, six, seven, eight-hour surgeries. And then that's a long ass that's, that's, a, that's an LAS. LAS. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And, they, and, and that in and of itself. In and of itself has problems. That's a big deal. Because you're asleep for, you know, six, seven, eight hours. When we talk about fluid shifts, that means the fluid that's within your intravascular system. So the amount of fluid that's running through your arteries and your veins during surgery 
periods of inflammation, a lot of times that fluid will leak out of your vessels into the soft tissues. And so that can make it seem like you're not getting enough fluid circulating through your system. So you'll have problems with low blood pressure and things like that. And then three days later, all that fluid that was in the soft tissues now comes back into your arteries and veins and you can have the opposite problem. And people just have a little bit of a difficult time regulating their blood pressure afterwards. Not to mention, if we're taking off 12, 13, 14, 16 pounds of skin and fat, that's also a lot of channels that usually processed fluid and blood that are just now gone. And so the body has to figure out new ways of getting the fluid back to the heart so that it can pump out and help you with your blood pressure. So not uncommon to have some dizziness after surgery when you stand up, kind of feel a little lightheaded. And these are all things that have to be watched very closely in a usually a hospital setting with nurses that are checking your vitals, checking your blood pressure, helping you stand up, helping you move around after surgery. Because the shifts in vitals can be pretty extreme. And the last thing we want is you getting dizzy and falling down right after surgery. Yeah. I mean, you're taking off a... So a lot of people don't seem to understand why removing all that tissue changes your body so drastically. But if you can think about it, like there's, there's a certain amount of blood and a certain amount of plasma and fluid that's pumping through this system that's size X, let's say. Then you go to surgery... And now you're X minus a chunk. So right. let's do X minus C since it's called chunk. <laughs> chunk is gone. Well, chunk used to carry a lot of that blood and fluid. Mm-hmm. And it was, and the heart was pumping against all that resistance. Well, all of a sudden that stuff's gone. And so now the heart's still pumping like it's there and things are going to change. And so yeah. it does cause, like the human body is amazing. It can, it, it adjusts and it, it goes, oh, wait yeah. a second, that's all gone. You know, it's in... You know, for you Bernoulli equation physicist people, you can think about it like it's, you know, trying to push all that fluid through a big resistor and all of a sudden you take away a big part of the resistor. I mean, it changes the game and your body does have to adjust and there can be issues with that adjustment. Right. And so that's why we recommend staying in, I usually say in a hospital, I usually do these in hospital settings if they're, if they're this large, if they're that much, they're that much because you do need to be getting IV fluids at least overnight to help regulate and do need someone watching your vitals pretty closely. And that can last for anywhere from overnight to a couple days, depending on how your body adjusts. The other issue is, is there any any bleeding problems? Um, I am notoriously meticulous. So thankfully I don't have many bleeding problems, but they can definitely happen because the blood vessels running through this subcutaneous tissue into the skin, these are big, large vessels. And it's not uncommon for those to bleed like stink during surgery. Um, And then maybe something happens after surgery where it looked like it had stopped bleeding. And then after surgery, you get a big blood pressure rush or something. And now things start bleeding again. And it can be a large amount of bleeding. You can lose a a lot of blood into these areas if one of these big blood vessels becomes uncoagulated. So bleeding is an issue. um, And that can certainly contribute to low levels afterwards. It's not uncommon for patients to be a little anemic for a month or so after surgery because they've just lost a lot of blood from a big deal surgery. So that's why it's important that they be tanked up from a blood standpoint beforehand. Um, I think only once have I ever actually had to transfuse a patient after one of these large surgeries. And generally they do okay. Oh, yeah. But it's definitely, it's always a possibility. It is. I mean, I've had to transfuse a couple for sure. I mean, one with a duodenal switch. (laughs) (laughs) I can remember this nightmare very well, like it was yesterday. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you, you want to be, and, and I 
like to also go on record that I'm meticulous also. Because I noticed that you said that. You said it kind of like, well, I'm meticulous. No, but I, I am just too. meant to say that. I, I am. No, bleeding no. happens, no, but I try to make sure that that doesn't happen. Like I do everything possible because I hate bleeding and I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to have to come back because someone's bleeding. So, and I say meticulous and that's more code word for my nurses and the OR techs to say that I will take a little bit longer time to just get ready. <laughs> No. Like, gosh, you take so long. Excuse me, I'm meticulous. That's right. Well, you are, and that is, and you have to be because, you know, a lot of the times, and and this is the absolute truth with these, uh, with the patient population, the massive weight loss patients, they come in anemic. They yeah. they are. I mean, it's like they they already have an absorb. They lost the weight through absorption issues. And they typically are like, you know, it's not yeah, unusual to have like a hemoglobin of like 12 or yeah. 11.9. And as soon as I see 10, I'm like, you can't have yeah. surgery. No, you, you got to be tanked you know, up. Hemoglobin of 10. Sorry. Go, go get some B Go vitamins. eat a sandwich. Yeah. Get, a, get some get steak. Some, yeah. Have a, have a, a iron infusion. Do something. Um, but, you know, you want to be meticulous because bleeding... I hate just, it. It just wrecks plastic surgery. Yeah, I it am does. not a fan like, of bleeding. I do not like it at no, all. I do not and, like and it with a have... goat, and I do not like it in a boat. <laughs> I do not I do like not it at like all. Bleeding, Sam, I am. I, I don't. I, it, I hate it. And it and it wrecks the surgery from a staining standpoint. From a staining standpoint, from a, a skin quality standpoint, oh. and you know, I don't want to be going back to the operating room at midnight to take someone back. Like that's no good for anybody. So if we can prevent no. that, that's ideal. But so now you've gotten through the surgery, you've gotten through the blood pressure issues and the bleeding issues, and you're home. Now it's where like the hard part of the recovery comes in. Because now I've done my part. The nurses have done their part. Now it's sort of up to you as patient to do your part in the healing process. And this is where I can get kind of you know onerous. Because you have drains, yeah. and they stay in for a long time. And you have to wear compression garments. And you can't move around a whole lot. There's all these like rules and things you can and can't do. And that can be frustrating. But yeah. you got to do it. Because you got to heal, and you got to give your body the time it needs to get through this big surgery. And you need you need to eat the right foods. Oh, because, yes. Because, you sure. know, you need the caloric intake has to be correct. You know, people always say, I am so tired after they've had surgery. And they're tired that because their true. body is working its butt Over off time. to heal this stuff. And yeah. that takes energy. I know. I do get that a lot. Like, how are you feeling? Oh, I'm okay. I'm just... I'm just Wiped really out. tired. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. I mean, your body is really, 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 really trying hard to heal. I mean, think about it. Your incision is easily, in some patients, depending on how many incisions they have, several feet long. Totally. <laughs> you know? That's like half their Maximally body length. Maximally invasive. Maximally invasive. Right here. Fellowship. And it's just, <laughs> you know, it takes time. That's it's awesome. got to heal. The Maximally Invasive <laughs> Fellowship with Dr. Millicent Ravello. Yeah. A woman it. creating incisions as tall as she is. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's true. I'm sure that you've put incisions that are, you know, your height on patients. Totally. Total, total, for sure. For sure. Right? Because you do the circumferential. If you go all the way around, plus the two one thigh lifts or up whatever. and down. Yeah. And yeah, yeah it's you're easily. there. That's yeah. easily it. Yeah, I mean, that that is, uh, that's, the, that's the game. And taking all that tissue off is the real deal. But the results are... Awesome. They're it awesome. Changes people's and lives. they are worth it. Yes. But that's but for all the reasons listed, this is why you really have to be in good health going into surgery. Um, it's yeah. why I won't do patients with uncontrolled blood sugars. It's why I can't do patients with heart problems. You know, with loss of you know 
any hemoglobin kind of hemoglobin A1C of <laughs> nine. No, not going to happen. <laughs> like I don't care if you got through your bariatric surgery fine when you were four hundred pounds with a hemoglobin not of thirteen. Not going to happen. It's not going to happen. No. With this surgery, no sugar-coated wound optimized. healing doesn't work. It doesn't. No, you have to get your sugars under control. You have to. It won't heal. It yeah. will not heal. And then you'll have a five foot two round of incisions that's open, open and breaking down and with wound vax. Yeah. So and it's that's it's, a nightmare. Yeah. So if, if we say no, it's not because we're being mean. It's because your body is not able to handle the stress of what is a very, very, very large operation. You bet. And we check that stuff because. We're good doctors, and that that is really the key. You you have to go someplace where they do this stuff. You know, I don't do this anymore. I did a ton of it when I came out of Pittsburgh. I mean, I learned all this stuff from Dennis Hurwitz and all the people that were doing, you know, tons of body contouring. And it just, you know, it's now you do it, which is great, and I feel very <laughs> happy to have you here to, to do those big operations. But, you know, you need somebody that's in the game, you know, yeah. and you are in the game. You're doing this on a literally every week you've got two cases at yep. least of this ilk. Yes. Right. Yeah. But I'm in a good system. You know, I have a good bariatric program that I work with. So I'm very happy with the doctors that take care of my patients. And uh, fortunately, if I would say for the most part, they do okay. You know, once, sure. once you follow all the sort of the protocols and make sure that they are being treated safely, then it can be done safely. But the key is proper patient selection and really managing the whole operative and post-operative experience for the good outcomes. Well, that sounds really good. I think uh, I'm going to go get my sleeve and come in and get a uh, get a uh, maximally invasive lift everything, please. I'm your girl. <laughs> All right. Well, anything else? Nope. I think that's it. And that does it for this BAP. This is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast coming to you from the 90210. If you like what you heard on the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast and want to get in touch with either Dr. Ravello or myself, this is how to do it. You can reach me at the website, ravelloplasticsurgery.com. You can reach out to the office directly through the website with any questions or consult requests, or you can call the office directly at 310-954-1355. And you can reach me on Instagram at Ravello Plastic Surgery. And to reach me, the phone number is 310-777-8800. My website is drcalvert.com, drcalvert.com. Instagram, Dr. J. Calvert. And of course, you may want to check out our YouTube channel for the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast, which is simply that, Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. Hope to see you all in the office very soon. Bye.